Rebel Goddess Reclamation was born out of the desire to celebrate the sacred feminine. You can look forward to goddess myth and storytelling from all cultures, interviews with inspiring rebel women, and learning about nature-based Sabbaths and any other goddess-loving sexy content that floats the boats of your two founding sisters. We know that in recognizing the radiance in others that we are recognizing the radiance in ourselves. As rebel women, we empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome both the delicious light and exquisite shadow, knowing that this paradox is the source of sacred power. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of all future descendants, we release that which does not serve and manifest that which does. We lean into the unknown with grace, making our own rules and then breaking them. I am your dark sister, Sam. I am your red sister, Sarah. And we are Rebel Women with Teacups. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I, I think we've started everyone that way so far. Yeah, it's probably true. So today we are reviewing a tea from same place we did on the last episode, which is a metaphysical shop in Asheville. It's called Asheville Raven and Crone um, from Asheville, North Carolina. And today's tea is a chai tea. But this chai tea, so it doesn't actually have any actual tea in it. It's really just the spices. Um, ingredients include... Kava kava, ginger root, cinnamon, cardamom, whole cloves, nutmeg, and vanilla beans. Ooh, that sounds so lovely. When you look at it, it has a, it has a very interesting look at, to it, to me. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very woodsy. It's very, like, it looks like you went outside and, and grabbed some things from the earth and just threw it into a pot. Yeah. In a good way. In a right. great way. <laughs> yeah, it looks like blonde mulch. Yeah, it does. That's exactly what it looks like. But the clothes and stuff, I mean, they're completely whole. Like, you can, be like, point it out and be like, that is a, a clove chunk. <laughs> and I like that there's kava kava in it. I think that's the reason why I picked it up and decided to buy it. What what draws you to kava kava? Um, just the, the idea that there is, like, a slight, like, physical um, sensation that can be felt from it. Oh, like interesting. Give the, like, give me a little buzz without having to drink or smoke anything. That's nice. Are you uh, drinking out of a, any particular teacup today? So it's so I'm not really a rebel woman with a teacup today. I'm a, a rebel woman with a tea mug. Right on. So I um, this is a really big mug. It was gifted to me from my friend Melissa for um, one of my birthdays a few years ago. And so this is, I don't like drinking coffee out of a mug that's too big because then my cream ratio and coffee ratio are weird and then it gets cold too quickly because I take my time. Mm. And so I'm just, I'm weird about that. But this mug is an owl. Oh, yeah. And he's super big and I love him. So he's my go-to like when I want to warm up at night with a decaf um, tea. He's the He's the one that I fill up. I think that was the one that you – that was the very first mug that you made me tea for when I it came is. to your place. Yeah, it you is. you said it was your favorite mug because it was a sweet owl. <laughs> it is. I kind of want to tell the story that you told me about how someone witnessed you liking it and then thinking that you collected owls. Yeah, and so she's gifted me many, many owl things over the years. To which I just, I take it lovingly because it's like she saw something that I like wowed over because I did because it's a cute ass mug. Um, and then she, she's gifted me many owl things over the years. So it's just so funny because had she not seen that, I don't think she would have anticipated getting, getting me owl things all these years. So it's funny. It's funny that you remember that story. <laughs> 
Well, and that's, this is the second mug that um, you described as cute, and I'm thinking of my mugs, and I don't have any mugs that are that I would describe as cute. My mugs, I I like them because they're they're either like beautiful and like very like feminine, ladylike, or because of their size, like utilitarian, um, yeah. or be, like the handle is big enough for my all four of my fingers to fit inside, so I can like really wrap my hand around them, um, or because of like the craftsmanship if they're like like handmade, like I know the Potter yeah. or something that them and i've never i've never seen a mug and be like oh that's cute i i want it that's cuteness <laughs> doesn't draw me the same way i so i appreciate it <laughs> oh that's so funny <laughs> so i have um i have my whole setup here on my desk with a little shot glass of creamer and a little side of sugar so i'm gonna taste it without doctoring it up and then i'm probably gonna doctor it up Oh, interesting. Yeah. I might have to I might have to join along with you, but I'd have to go get my stuff, but I love that you did that. I also um have a second tumbler of of black tea with creamer that I'd been drinking for the last hour and a half. It's funny though cuz I also I like my tea hot. Like I want it so hot that it almost burns my mouth from mm-hmm. start to finish. I don't want lukewarm or yeah. like a, appropriate temperature for the mouth tea. I want it to be really, really, really hot. What type of um, creamer do you have? Is it half and half, or is it whipping cream? Yeah, this is this is just half and half today. Uh, do you, is it more common? Just because I'm not as much of a t- chai drinker, although I like it, I just haven't drank it as often as I would have a green or an oolong tea. Is it more common to have creamer in it? Like, is it an expectation or do a lot of people um, do it without them? Uh, I don't know if it's an expectation. Uh, I I think that it is common. Yeah. Well, especially I think of like chai lattes. And so mm. like the connection is natural. And being the frugal <laughs> lady that I am, I'm not going to spend $5 for a chai latte when it's like half steam milk and then the chai isn't even that strong anyways when i can spend two dollars and change on a steeped chai tea and then just add creamer to it and call it a day Uh see that's that's you (laughs) your noggin right there (laughs) and i if i remember i usually tell people no froth because it annoys me when i like if i'm getting it in like a to-go cup then i have to like wade through it to get to the actual beverage Mm -hmm. and then it also takes up space in the cup it's like i would rather not have air in it i'd rather have more hot liquid to keep it hotter longer Mm -hmm. but something i did figure out very (laughs) recently is that so i want i want my tea filled up all the way to the top i want as much liquid as i can get in it but with having, especially like the teacups with tea saucers and stuff, I'm more prone to spill it. So a shift that I've made in the last like two months is that intentionally leaving room, which before was like, why would I even do that? But it turns out I like not spilling my tea a whole lot more than I like having that extra sip end up burning my hands. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> But I can still hear the voice in my head. Is like, you could fit more in there. Like, you just pour more hot water in. But I resist. Now, I can't remember. You could have said it towards the beginning when you were doing the description. Is this um, mm-hmm. caffeinated? No, there's no actual tea Oh, that's right. That's You did say that. That's right. So you could really even use this as, like, like mulling spices even. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Okay, so mine is um, steeped. How? Where are you in the process? It's still steeping. Um, it's a, um, it's a semi caramely color. Mm-hmm. How dark? How dark is yours? Same. It's a. It's yeah. It's like a dark caramel. I did. I used a lot. I don't know how much I gave you because the vial I gave it to you in was pretty small. But um, I used half of my. It's not a tea ball. It's like a tea. It's like a tea. It's like a mesh tea cup. A smaller one that fits inside a let's so it's bigger it's like probably twice the size of a tea ball mm, um okay. but i mine's like it's more than half full and it's interesting the way like the wooden stuff expands yeah but having brewed it smelling it before tasting it it smells super cinnamony and i don't think in the dry blend i saw any actual like chunks of cinnamon so i wonder yeah. if it's powdered cinnamon or maybe if they're just such small 
small little squares you can't see them in between like the, t- the twigs yeah <laughs> the twigs and mulch so when i was in high school when i i, I might have started in junior high but for sure in high school so at my high school you had to have 100 hours of volunteer service to be able to graduate and one of the things that I did is we have a metro park system um, here in the Dayton, Ohio area that's just absolutely like I, our metro park s- system is just beautiful. I love it. I, I'm so grateful that we have those types of things here in the day, in the city. And one of them is called Carriage Hill and it's a farm. It was a working farm for years and years and years. I can't quite remember how it came into be uh, part of the metro park, but what they do is they have volunteers come in. Um, there's blacksmiths, there's woodworkers, there's women of the house um, that will teach you how to cook things. Or there's always something going on, right? So I volunteered a handful of weekends throughout high school as to be one of the ladies. And so I would get dressed up in like the 1800s garb um, mm-hmm. that they would have and, you know, go kicking around the 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 farm. I was um, next door neighbors to one of the blacksmiths um, growing up. They were like a second set of parents for me. I love them. And that's how I got introduced to it. Um, but the smell of this reminds me of being on the farm. Oh, so when I, is it the cinnamon or is it something I, else? I don't know. I don't, I, it smells like sweet earth to me. And mm. it just smells like me being on the farm. It also... Yeah, smelling... <laughs> You, you got I was it. just gonna say it also reminds me of the Christmas time. Like there is like that that warm clove, um, all that spicy goodness that we might not cook with normally throughout the year, but we do it for special like big dinners and stuff like that. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that not every family is that way that they might use the ingredients inside of here more often, but it reminds me of like a crackling fire. Um, in an older wooden home where you can smell the wood, that kind of thing. That's what it reminds me of. Mm. It smells like, um, yeah, I, I get the winter vibe for sure. To me, it reminds me of the the cinnamon candies, like the hard candies that come yeah. in the red wrapper. Yeah. I can totally smell that, yeah. So then it, like, throws me back to, like, my grandparents. Or um, my grandpa used to love the hard candy, like, the ribbon candy for Christmas. Yep. And there was, like, the ones that were, like, weird berry shapes that, like, the texture, I remember, like, in my mouth, it was, like, nubby, 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 nubby. <laughs> I could feel on my tongue would, like, blow my brain. It's like, whoa. Um, but there were cinnamon ones in there, too, and that's what it's, like, it's different than a Red Hot, but. Okay, I'm going to take a sip. Okay, I'm going to, you guys might hear my water coming out. Is that ASMR? Mm. Yeah, you probably can't hear it. Oh. You all right? Yeah, I think I think that I maybe put too much um too much tea in there. But well, like your tea to okay, water so, ratio might have been too much. Yeah. Um I mean it's not bad, but more than anything I get the bite of the cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Uh and everything else is kind of lost. What? And it's like a little bit bitter. So, what were the ingredients again? Do you have them still? Mhm. Oh, that's that's a great thing to mention too cuz kava kava is the first one. Sometimes kava doesn't always taste so good, but um and my assumption is that these are put in the order of which they whichever one has the most of it in there. So, kava kava, ginger root, cinnamon, cardamom, whole cloves, nutmeg, vanilla beans. Mm. Oh yeah, see the roof of my mouth is <laughs> starting to feel like numb that's funny <laughs> i think mine might have been because you gave me a sample of it it might uh-huh. have i might have put too much water oh so mine might be the opposite ratio yeah i used all of it because it was only mm-hmm. in that little vial and so i figure yeah i should have given it to you in a bag instead i just thought those little glass bottles were so they cute and then cute. i was like what am i going to use this for and i was like i have to give tea to sarah that's what i that's what i bought these for because even when i bought them i messaged you and i was like dude the dollar store has these great glass vials okay so i just put some sugar and some cream in it because if if I put sugar and cream in it, then I like a lot of bite because you need a lot to come through that cream. Yeah. Okay, so what's yours like now because it's watered down? 
Um, I can definitely taste the tingliness up against the roof of my mouth. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think it's as intense as, like, the look on your face where you're like, whoa, <laughs> what I just get in- myself into? <laughs> so how is it with your cream and sugar? It's good. I, um... <laughs> I put too much cream in it because I just had all this cream. I put it in a little shot glass. I don't have like a cute like creamer pour. Not that I need one, but I just was like, bloop, whole thing in because there's space for it. So now it's like almost white. It looks like like raw milk or something. Um, it's not like white, white, but just off white. But it's good. Very, it tastes more desserty now. Um, the tip of my tongue and the roof of my mouth are still, it feels like there's a little bit of Novocaine or something left in them. <laughs> Which, you know, that pleases me on a different level, too. I don't know why. <laughs> so I don't know if I've ever had kava kava before. So what's, like, what's that taste like? Um, It tastes earthy. So I've had it in tinctures before. And then with tinctures, it really just tastes like, like, earthy alcohol. Mm. Like, you get, like, the, the, the burn and, like, dryness of alcohol um, with, with, like, earth behind it. Mm. Um... But I I don't know that I've had it like steeped in a tea on its own to say what it's like in water without all the other things with it. I like it, but I fear that if I add any creamer to it, I'm not going to have any taste because I might I think I might have added too much water. Yeah. It's like the back of my tongue. True <laughs> now. I like it though. It's good. I'm going to do some, I'm going to see if I can concentrate, like do a smaller amount of water and then add it to my tea. Or maybe just let it keep brewing. Yeah. Because I also just took my kettle off. It was like boiling, came out boiling basically. Woo. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling alive. Okay. That's good. So are you are you ready for the tea? I am. I'm ready to give you guys some tea. I don't know what kind of tea I'm I'm giving you, but I'll give you something. Okay, so this episode is Sam interviewing Sarah because the last one Sarah interviewed me. So I have a list of questions. Um I'm going to start I'm going to start nice and slow and steady. We're going to warm up to the super meaty parts. Okay. So uh let's start like classic and simple um what is your uh star sign or moon sign and or enneagram sign and then how does that show up for you in your personality like let's just get to know sarah um okay so so i am a libra and i'm an enneagram one with um balanced wings so i pull from both my my two and my nine um However, I'm the most oneiest one that ever did one. When when I took the test, um, we took it paper-based. And so we created this grid and I answered, there was an answer for me for all 12 questions for one. So I was in, like I was all 12 questions. I was, a, yes, for the number one Enneagram. So, um, which is... Uh, the best way that, that to describe it is that it in Enneagram One, their um, struggle and their their blessing and their curse is holy perfection, meaning that um, they have an eye for things to where if it doesn't please them, they want to change it. But then if it's not in if it's not my version of perfection, which doesn't mean anything, it's just my my idea of what is right. And then I can't release it on into the world. And that can be crippling because mm-hmm. the way what I see as perfection is no one else's version of perfection. They might see it completely different and then see what I've produced and go, oh, my gosh, that's so perfect. But in my head, it's like, but there's like five things that I didn't get to do with it. Like, and I don't like that. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a blessing and a curse because when I do produce things, they are like the tippity top of things. But they're always in my eyes not at the level that they need to be. So I'm very much an Enneagram one and I love things perfect, but here's ironically, I hate perfect things because nothing's perfect. We even talked about it on our earlier episode. If you could rate this tea on a level of one to 10, I was like, well, I give nothing tens because nothing's perfect. However, in my eyes, what I produce has to be perfect. So it's, it's a struggle, man. 
it's a fucking struggle. Um, I am a Libra, so I'm very much into aesthetic, aesthetic things. I like um, decadent things, visually, food. Um, to be surrounded by art and surrounded by beauty is very much, very much a Libra when it comes to that. Um, so I'm just now in my life diving into my natal chart. And I, the only thing I'm going to give you is that I'm a Cancer rising, Capricorn moon, and Libra sun. And that is the extent of my knowledge when it comes to all things natal chart. Okay. So I don't know what any of that means. I know one means like my personality and one means like how I handle things. I don't know. But I do know this much. When I did have my natal chart uh, read with um, uh, one of our mutual friends, Leah, who was just like born to do this, I am in a transaction of at one point in my past, I was a man and I was a very much a man who um, leader had my shit together. Um, so that's my Capricorn. My Capricorn is very like military, da 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 da. Um, I'm going to lead you. We're going to get this done kind of thing. And then my cancer is me finally sinking. And this is the craziest shit because I didn't know this until like literally like two months ago. My cancer is um, me being welcomed home by the divine feminine and like sinking mm -hmm. into the mother role of the divine feminine. And I very much mother people, whether I realize it or not. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm on this path of, so I did all of the masculine things and now I'm finally transcending into the feminine part of me, which is ironic because I feel like I have masculine um, wounds I need to heal. So it makes me wonder what I've carried over from previous existence mm -hmm. that I feel the need to, that I have ickiness around. And so it, I need some healing there because I, mm -hmm. I think I told you this before. I've told this many times. I didn't even know the term because I had such a patriarchal lens on everything masculine that I didn't even know the term divine masculine existed until 2018, I think it was. And like when I read it in the book, maybe it was the very beginning of 2019, regardless, when I was reading it in the book, like I had to stop myself. Like, you know, it was like, I was two sentences later than I was like, wait a minute, did I just read divine masculine? Like, what the fuck is that? So I went back and I even searched it on the internet to make sure that this just wasn't something that this author was making up. And then it was like, my mind was fucking blown because I'd never been in the knowledge, in the, in a, in a, in, in any type of aspect of a healthy relationship with a divine masculine energy and so that just like that mm. blew my world open and i still even now even knowing that those people exist i still have these icky feelings around it where it's like i see you existing there and you're divine masculine but what are you wanting what are you wanting out of being the divine masculine what are you trying to get out of being the divine masculine so i got some wounds mm. to heal <laughs> i don't know what they are but so do you think with the wounds to heal, do you think you've carried them over because they were wounds that you've inflicted on others? Or do you feel that they are your wounds because they were, you had received them in previous incarnations and now you've got to work them out? So like a karmic debt kind of thing? Yeah. I, Is it because you caused it or because you've already received I can, it? I can feel when you ask me that it's because of something I might have caused, but I also mm -hmm. think that I'm also carrying it as my linear, like my physical blood, the, yeah. the wounds, especially down my father's side. I can, mm -hmm. I can, I know that I'm carrying some things that they were inflicted upon and it's inside my bones now mm. when it comes to the divine masculine, because they were very much, you know, the good old boys of if you don't do this, then you're that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you feel the, 
feel the divine masculine coming through those wounds on your dad's side. I feel like while like if I could like logically look at mine, I could see them for sure and the way they're prevalent on my dad's side. But I feel like my divine masculine wounds occur through my mother line. Oh, really? So but when you were speaking, I was getting goosebumps because and, and maybe it's just something I'd never considered. Um, <laughs> it's all the daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely daddy issues. Like. I mean, just male issues, I should say. Right, right. And then it's, you know, the core of it is to still the, the first, you know, man that, that nurtures us and loves us and all the things. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask you, with with coming into this age of uh, of mothering and, and this divine feminine expression that you're, like, more fully stepping into and being a mother of three, so motherhood in general – whether it's, you know, the, the triple goddess of maiden, mother, crone, the mother has so much to teach us. So what have you learned? What's like a big takeaway from experiencing either motherhood or mothering others? Life lesson. Mm. Being a mother, um, so <laughs> none of my children were planned pregnancies. They were all like, oh, well, I guess that's happening type of things. So I, you know, I've, I've thought about how I've thought about that, how they've, it wasn't really a choice. It was something that was gifted to me in this life, um, whether I was prepared for it or not. And, um, I look back at my younger self and the darkness that she was in, but she was still, See, I want to say things without hurting people's feelings. And that's yeah. that's the struggle with this type of conversation because my mom did did her absolute best. She would give you the shirt off of her back. She would protect you in all these ways. But I, there was still a lacking of the type of mother that I needed um, in that I, I will say parents in general. Like, um, this is so silly. Um, the only time that I went to museums or went to um, a play or, you know, did anything outside of just going, being at home or going to like a family function, like we didn't go on vacations, we didn't um, experience life outside of the home in that capacity. The only time I ever got to experience that was um, like with school, we would go on field trips, that kind of thing. So that was my only but then, you know, as an I don't see that as a kid, but as an adult, like her parents probably never did that, which is why she never really thought that that was a thing to do with us or, you know, my mm -hmm. dad or, or what have you. Um, and that was one of the things that I always like we didn't get to travel as much when they were younger as I wanted to. But I made sure that we would go to museums. We would go to, you know, I would try to find the free events because, you know, I'm a struggling young mother type of thing but I was always wanting to expose them to culture and ideas of things outside of our own and I just want them to live a life of adventure that I never that was never possible for me at the age that they are now and um mm. I don't know if that's really a life lesson but it's just um like with my son he and it's like you say that you say things to your kids that you don't realize that they're actually um, like taking in and holding on to that memory. Like sometimes we'll talk about like, you know, our old neighborhood and they'll bring up a situation that we were all involved in, like going to one of the parties in the in the block. And they'll mention a memory that I don't remember at all, but I was there with them, but it didn't affect me the way that it affected them. And so it's like it's so funny, like each one of us have our own perception, right? Um, but, and so like my son decided to go to school this year out of state. Um, it's only a year long. It's kind of a trade school. Uh, and he was like, you know, he was like, mom, is this the right thing to do? And I was like, well, how old are you going to be next year? And he said 20. And I go, so you're going to be 20, whether or not you go to school. Right. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, so then why aren't we, why aren't you doing this? It's what you want to do. You're going to be 20 anyways. The time is going to pass anyways. Why aren't you doing these things? Mm -hmm. Um, and he, and then he told me like, not even a month ago, he, that he mentioned it back to me. He goes, those, that's one of the reasons why I came here is because, you know, you were like, the time's going to pass anyways, might as well do what you want. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> ah. So 
<laughs> um, it's, it's the life lessons that you're teaching your children that you don't even realize you're teaching. Um, and it was being not always, cause I wasn't always the mother that they needed. And I always wasn't the mother that I needed, but it's striving towards that idea of, um, being a nurturer without being overbearing, um, still knowing that I have to be a mother, even in situations where I don't feel like it's that big of a deal, but I have to, to let them know that there's, there was consequences to their actions. I don't even know if I'm answering the question right. These are just things that I've realized about being a mother. I think so. Okay. For sure. And I think you spoke a lot too. Like there's, you can't, you can't be born into this world and escape without the initial mother wound yeah. and then becoming a mother. There's there's no way you can have children without <laughs> imparting a lovely mother wound onto right. them and then also trying to write whatever yours was. Right. You know? Yeah, that is a, it is tricky. Like we're going to fuck our kids up no matter what. It's just to what degree are we going to fuck them up? <laughs> Yeah, and there's no point in even thinking and contemplating yeah. the ways that I've broken them because there I couldn't imagine because their perception is so different than mine. The things that I've been holding on to, she does, my child doesn't remember at all. Meanwhile, she's got you know however stockpile size of yeah. <laughs> things that she remembers yeah. that I'm totally unaware of. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's <laughs> completely true because you know they're in and it it goes um, like all three of my kids. They grew up in the same household. They grew up in the same situations, but they all experienced a completely different aspect of everything because they're three individual people. They think three different ways. Like they may have things in common, but no, no sibling experienced the same thing with their parents. Mm -hmm. And that's so important to realize literally like what you just said, like the things that I'm trying to heal. She's she's never had and hopefully never will experience those things, but she's got different wounds that I have no idea. Or they, because, you know, I have a boy and two girls. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a tricky road, man. Like, it's it's the toughest job. It's the toughest job. I don't care what Fortune 500 company CEOs say. They may be stressed, but there is nothing like raising children. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, especially three. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, one. <laughs> I have one. And it's, that's the perfect amount for me. I was, I was lucky in that my children were spaced about four years apart. So mm-hmm. it wasn't so overwhelming to have like three, three under three or three under five or what have you. So I was very yeah. grateful for when that happened. It happened in that time frame that they were spaced mm-hmm. apart the way they were. Mm-hmm. I wish, and it's like the woman that I was when I had my son, I wasn't really a woman. I was a child still. I was a teenager. And the woman I was at 35, the mother I was at 35 and beyond, she's so much more not angry. She's so much more like, don't get me wrong. Like I can, I can get hot and I can get bitchy and I can like the fucking dark goddess can come out of me. In the most loving way, but I have more patience older. I have more understanding older than what I did younger. And um, so I wish that my time frame of having them would have shifted by about a decade. I think I would have been a mm. lot more able to um, mother right in what I see as right mm. as, a, as an older adult. Yeah, but, you know, that's just, like, one particular, like, knob on the spectrum. Because the older you get, then the less prone to adventure and doing things. And, you know, like, I think about these older parents who, who have patience and all of, all of what you just described on their side. But they're old, so they're not, like, you know, coaching kids soccer. They're not hauling them to yeah. museums and stuff every weekend. It's, like, it doesn't matter what it is. There's always – there's a give and a take. Everything balances out, evens out in the wash. And I have to apologize. That was not an aspect I talked with you about, about your mother being a mother. Um, I mean, you brought it up, of course, but that was definitely. So I apologize that that was a question I didn't ask you. No need to apologize at all. I, all of the questions were absolutely perfect, I think. That's good. And well, and it's kind of fun, too, that I have questions that you didn't ask me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm scared and I'm excited. <laughs> 
Okay, so next question. Um, in terms of goddess archetype, is there a um, specific archetype or um, version of the goddess deity that is calling to you most right now that you were working with? Uh, yes. So there is a um, – not describe – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, nobody knows how to na- say her fucking name is pretty much what it is. Is it Hecate? Is it Hecate? Is it he- – Oh, how's the other one? Hecate. Hecate. And then there's another one, um, Hecate, which Mm. somebody, if she's of Roman slash Greek origin, somebody who that we know is of Roman slash Greek origin or or her husband, it was either her or her husband. She's like that type of that type of way of saying the Hecate or however I just said it. She said, there's no way it's that. So it's not that. And she's probably just up there going, the fuck bitches, y'all don't know how to say my name. And I'll tell you why it got messed up. And I'll say it again, because I am going to be talking about um, Hecate is um, it was Shakespeare is the one that brought Hecate about because he has his iambic pentameter. And so he can only have so many syllables per line or whatever however that rolls out and so for her to be able to fit into his story he changed the way her voice sounded but this also comes from a man who has created like 1500 words plus that we use in our everyday language which is just crazy to think about like he just made up a fucking word like okay cool but but currently it is hecate why do you feel called to connect with um okay so this happened sometime in sometime in 2020 like so it was warm i remember that much but i don't know she she's like the supreme um person and who's not technically a witch but she's the mother of witches like she's the goddess of witch witches but it was her daughter her first daughter um I can't, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember her first daughter's name. She is the original witch. And then her second daughter, Medea, is the first student. So, I don't know why I just said that. You guys are going to hear it again anyways. I don't even know. But it was earlier in 2020. It was warm. I've just been getting called to work with her. But she's like this, this the, the top dog, the bad bitch. And I was like, you know, I don't want to work with her just because it's like the cool thing to do. Like, so I'm like resisting that because I think it's like society is trying to like put something on me that I have to work with, you know, somebody like her. And then I was scrolling through Instagram and I came upon this crone image and oh my, oh my God, my heart, this crone image of this woman who has this glorious, long, like curly silver hair. And she's wearing this peach gown that is covered in pearls. And she's wearing this crown. And she has this, like, like soft little, like, hmm, like, what am I thinking about? Kind of smile on her face, like Mona Lisa. And I was like, that's the crone I want to be. Like, immediately, like, in my bones, I was like, okay, this is the crone that I want to be. And I want to write about these crones. And so I took that as a sign because I had been – so I write – Fiction is mostly what I write or I write um, spoken word things. And I know that I've been, I had been wanting to work on a nonfiction book, but I hadn't decided like, okay, what's my theme? What do I want to do? And I love interviewing people. How can I like intertwine that into the thing? And then I saw this image of this crone and I knew immediately that I, I needed to write about the crone. And then the next image so I saved that image, like screenshotted it, liked it, like shared it. I was like, Chrome goals, like this is who I want to be. Um, and then the next image as I scroll down is just a black screen. And all it said was Hecate wants to work with you. And, I, and then I got this zing through my body. My teeth started chattering. And no matter how much I tried to clench my jaw, I couldn't stop the chattering of my teeth. And I was like, all right, universe, I hear you. I see you. Okay. So that was right before August. So I know it was sometime in the warm months before August because her sacred day of celebration is um, August 13th. And then August 1st, according to August First, according to the Celtic calendar. What? Did you say Wanthian? I did. 
August 1st, according to the Celtic calendar, is Lamas or Ladendash, I think is a more complicated way to say it. But it's the first of the three harvest um, celebrations in the Celtic um, Wheel of the Year. And so what I did is I created a um, daily offering to Hecate from the 1st to the 13th. And then on the 13th, I made um, homemade biscuits and drenched them in honey and offered one of her. That was one of the offerings I gave to her. So, um, and then I've just recently came upon this um, book that is just absolutely beautiful. It's called Hecate's, or Entering Hecate's Garden, I think that's what it's called. I can't quite remember who um, wrote it, but I, we can put a link down in the, the footnotes. Because um, we, well, I just remembered there are footnotes and that we can add extra information in there. Um, so I can put that down there and it's just, it's, it's a beautiful um story of Hecate and her daughters and then it goes into rituals and um food um or I shouldn't say food but um things you can do with the herbs that are inside the garden so on um the solstice I took I brought my rosemary bush um that was in a pot inside this year so I still have some fresh rosemary and she seems to be doing good um so I took some rosemary and I reduced it in a um thing of water and sugar and so it had this really pungent rosemary like taste to it. And then I added it to, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's this like, like a, it's a dessert. Uh, I don't want to say wine cause it's not wine. You, you add it to things to give it this, um, nice amber color and this like delicious undertone taste. I don't remember what it's called, but but I can also share that recipe because it's crazy simple. It's crazy simple, but it's like doing those little things. And while you're doing it, have in mind, like, it doesn't matter what deity it is. It doesn't matter what archetype it is. When you have those things in mind as you're creating it, saying, I'm creating this for you, Hecate, in your honor, that is paying into their, um, into the bank that you're trying to create with them. Mm -hmm. So right now it's Hecate. Or Hecate okay. or Hecate, however the hell you say it, I say Hecate. Can I share a quick story that your story reminded me of? Yes. So, like two days ago, um, Ayla, my daughter, was was asking me about oh because you had given me you had given me some some more oils and and this beautiful oil bottle and I I had it out um, on my table and I was like, hey, listen, this is so pretty, Sarah. This is another gift from Sarah. And she was like, you know, she'd already once verbalized that Sarah gives the greatest gifts. And I was like, yeah, she's really amazing, like incredible witchy gifts. And she says, um, she was like, well, is she gave you her moon flow? Would you want it? And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on why she gave it to me like you don't just like give it to people like it has to be right? like done and she was like okay so say she puts it in a jar and she sings to it would you want it then <laughs> I was like um I don't I mean probably I, I guess again <laughs> it depends on what she would do with it and she was like okay she buries it and she like goes through this whole list of things that like this she creates this whole ritual she still doesn't have like a purpose for why but like <laughs> asking would this make her moon flow something that you would want? It's interesting. It's just funny the way that she was like, what would be the thing that would make you into it? And I'm, it's like, well, if you, you know, because she had, she had known that you had sung over the oils and the herbs and it was, I described to her, like it meant more because when you were creating it, you were in like this joyous state and you were like blending all of these things. So of course I would want to put it on my body so that she was right. like stretching it as far as she could. <laughs> Oh, I love how like little witchy she is. Like she literally just like boom created a ritual, and that's so beautiful. I know. I mean, I think she did it from a place of like she was like a little bit mocking me, like mom, how weird are you? Um, but that's fine because at least it's still a, like creative fire in her, right? And it's like at yes. least she knows that these are things that are possible yeah. because I didn't even know. You know, I didn't know you could cultivate rosemary and think loving thoughts and you know send love to a deity and appreciate that type of energy to then reinforce it and amplify it in your life like I didn't know that was a thing so yeah so yeah. thank you for sharing that because it, it ripples out for sure and and my little baby witch just feels it <laughs> I love it I love that she was like poking and prodding like what would make you want it I would say that the only reason why I would gift it to you is for you to make a painting uh, well and I said um I said you know it'd be one thing <clears throat> 
if she did something with it, you know, like if if you had like put it on something and it was like part of yeah. your spell work and then you had given me like whatever the end result was, you know, um, and I was yeah. like trying to theorize the instances where we would like level up our power by putting our moon flow together. But I was like, but then we would be together. And then I'm like, I actually don't need to theorize any of this for you. <laughs> None of this is your business. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. What has, what's been bringing you joy lately? Oh, 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 oh. What has been bringing me joy lately? Um, I've definitely been feeling this like brighter light and vibration to the year 2021. Um, you know, everybody's like abandoning ship when it comes to 2020. <laughs> um, and who knows, you know, we literally have no idea what's in store for us in the 2021 era. But I feel this like really bright light vibration coming from it. So that in itself, that I see that and I feel that has been bringing me joy because there were so many dark spots. I mean, you and I were just discussing, you know, we couldn't even think about what we were doing during the cancer full moon Mm -hmm. because everything's such so blacked (laughs) out. Like everything's just so blacked out. Like I don't remember. And I, I can't remember if I shared it that time or if I've shared it with you before. Um, so when my life really started taking off into the direction that it is in now, where I'm just like, if you would have told me six, almost seven years ago that this would be my life, I would have been like, you're fucking crazy. There's no way that my life looks this glorious. Mm. Um, I, so like the first year when, you know, and it was probably the year, it was probably 2016, I want to say, or 15. It was 15 to 16. And I had done um, some training and it was like all these like beautiful things kind of unfolded for me. I was like coming on to the following year and I was like, there's no, what could possibly top this past year? And then that year happened and it was like, holy shit, what could top this year? Like, what if I don't have all this joyous things to look forward to that I experienced this past year? And then the next year was even better. And then it was like, how, how, how am I going to top these beautiful I couldn't have imagined these in my bones things. And then, you know, even inside of 2020, there was so much for me to celebrate. There were many months, many weeks, many days of doing nothing and feeling that darkness. But there were many times that I was blessed to hold beautiful circles in a safe and distance way and create things that with our hands that we sing with, that we play with every day that, ah. It's just, I'm just so grateful for the the spots of joy that I had inside of 2020. What was the question? Uh, oh, what's been bringing me joy yes, lately? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, well, one of the things that I did, um, one so one of the things that bring me the most joy when it comes to my work is. Um, the creation of the things that I'm bringing forth in 2021, because there's a lot of things. I'm, you know, my uh, drum work with you is like one of the things that brings me the best joy. There's so many drum circles that we have coming up and so many unique styles of drums that are coming up. Um, I've created like an introductory into modern witchery series where we're just going to get together for two hours every week for six weeks and discuss things like sigils and candle um candle magic things like that and it's i love teaching i love Mm. teaching it fills me with so much joy to teach and then right now i'm working on the structure of another introductory series but with um with the focus on pleasurable embodiment how can we embody pleasure Mm. in sexual non-sexual in um in person or like with other people or by ourselves like how can we embody pleasure on all these different levels because it can be so simple but we're not we're not taught to enjoy pleasure in our life we're not taught that Mm -hmm. and it's a travesty it's a travesty that we go through all these years and we might do things that bring us pleasure but we're not embodying pleasure Mm -hmm. And so with doing this work, it's bringing me back to the fundamentals of the things. And it's making me somebody who, you know, touts around all these um, 
certifications and stuff like that, that I'll get the certification, then I kind of like leave it to the wind. Um, I'll bring it to other women. But and I just wrote a post about this. I don't use some of these modalities on myself. And it's a disservice to myself because I have the knowledge. I have the product. I have the things, but I'm not using it on myself. So in in working on teaching I don't want to say beginners because none of us are really beginners um, because like blowing out a candle on a birthday cake, that's witchcraft. Like we've been doing witchcraft all of our life. We just don't know that we've been doing witchcraft all of our life. We're making a fucking wish and blowing out a candle. Come on now. So it's coming back to the, the, um, the step-by-step guiding for other women is making me like, I know an, an acting coach, I haven't spoken to him in years, but he was teaching beginners acting. And he said, doing beginners actor is making me a better actor because I'm coming back to the basics, coming back to the fundamentals of the things that make the basis for a good actor. Mm -hmm. And so doing these things in my career um, is what's bringing me the most joy because one of the, you know, the downsides of 2020 is I was laid off, but that was also the upside Mm -hmm. is the best thing that could happen to me. So I am grateful for that. So for the humans listening that here you light up about how each year has gotten better than the rest and how can it get better and they're sitting in a place of, well, that's her. That's not me. That's not my, that's not for me. What would you have to offer them? Like words of wisdom. Yeah. Say yes. Because I'll tell you one of the things that happen. So Making friends as an adult is so weird because you're just like, oh, I like you. Will you like me too? Be my friend. Be my friend. Um, But what happened is on a weekend of training for my – so it wasn't my YTT teacher training. It was one that I was helping with. The Her um, instructor was in town at another yoga studio, and she said, if you guys can afford it, I really think that you need to go take his training because it would be really cool for you to experience our lineage. Because, you know, teacher trainer teaches a teacher, teaches those teachers teach teacher, that kind of thing. So um, he was in town, and we were entering. So I, I happened, I literally just happened to have enough money to not be completely broke, but also take his class. So I was like, oh, it's meant to be. So I took his entire weekend, and while there, um, we were all introducing ourselves and somebody um, a few rows ahead of me had made a, made a comment about how she was put on this earth to help women feel good about themselves. And that was literally something that I was going to say. And so when it got around to me, like, she, you know, she had kind of turned and looked back at me because, um, you know, they were looking at the people behind them introducing themselves. And I point to her and I said, I also believe that I was put on this earth to, to help women feel so beautiful and great about themselves. And I don't know what else I said. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But like we were like instant connection and she ran over and she gave me a hug in the middle of the introduction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after that night, we exchanged numbers and then... I went out to her house because she's probably like a 20, 25 minute drive from me. And it was just like a get to know you kind of thing. And then she was like, we need to have a, a, a girl, a women's weekend. And so I'd never in my adult life ever had I ever experienced just running a cabin and hanging out with a bunch of girls. And I wanted to like my initial jerk reaction was like, I'm probably not going to enjoy it. I'm going to I'm probably not going to do it. But then I was like. No, like life is all about the experiences. Say yes. And so I said yes. And it was Katie Mm. is the one that gave me the hug. Um, And she introduced me to Irene and Jessica, who these women have become like, like cornerstones for me. They're pillars. I do not. I truly, truly believe, Sam, that you and I wouldn't have met if it wasn't because of them. Because I... When I had women, when I surrounded myself with with women or, you know, for anybody, it can be anybody. When I surrounded myself with people who I felt were going to hold me accountable to becoming a greater version of myself, I started becoming a greater version of myself because I wanted to um, grow right along with them. I wanted to reach the heights that they were going after. The amount of a growing that we have done since we've met each other two or three years ago is a Astounding. And I don't think I would have been brave enough to do my first spoken word, which was in 2007 or yeah, 2017. 
I wouldn't have done that. And if I hadn't done that, I for sure would not have written and experienced all the things that I experienced that year in 2018 leading up to that solstice. Mm. I do not think that we'd be sitting here. I might still be on this path, but I would not be as far as I am on this path if it wasn't because of saying yes and trying the things. There's all the time we're, be, we're being presented with opportunities and um. Uh, things that we would, our, our initial reaction is to say no because, because of I can't do it, because of what p- other people will think, because um, nobody's going to support me because of this, because of that, because of any reason. Say yes, experience as much as you can in this lifetime because it's going to be over before you know it. And life is all about the experiences, all about it. So say yes and experience as much as you can. Because you're going to look back in a year, in two years, in five years, and go, holy shit, look at everything that I've done. And then you're just going to be hungry for it. You're, you're not going to want to stop. And you're just going to keep clawing your way up that mountain. Okay, so final question. Wait, let me make sure there weren't any other. I mean, I had more questions, okay. but let me just make sure. Ask me all the questions. I don't care. Okay, two more questions. Okay. I think. Um, okay. Okay, so uh, your earliest childhood or your, your earliest memory where you had some sort of inkling of the sacred feminine or of goddess or seeing the feminine being revered in the way in which we revere it today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I will say that my first introduction into the idea of goddess, God, outside of, you know, what we're generally taught with a mono, you know, a mono God instead of dual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I came upon this book. I don't know if it was Melissa, though, the, my oldest friend who gifted me this owl mug. I can't like, I know that she had something to do with it. There was this, um, first of all, we were obsessed with the Oregon district when we were younger because you know, it's so cool looking and we're young and like, everything's like, Oh, that's so awesome. Um, there was at one time a shop there. I believe I'm, I, there's two shops that I'm, I might be getting the names confused on it, but there was one called mother earth father time and it was a witchcraft store. And so we went in there. Um, yeah, there was two of them. I can't remember if that was the one in the Oregon district or if that was the one closer to the Riverside area. Regardless, we went into a witchcraft store that was in the Oregon district and I was just like, Oh, this is my people. These are my people. And I can't remember where I got the book. The book turned out to have a lot of falsities in it, um, but it was about the Norse religion and about like day-to-day life of um, like how people lived who would worship Norse gods and goddesses, right? But in that book, the first goddess that I was like, holy shit, I fucking love her is Freya Mm. or Freya, depending on how you, you know, you say it. Um, And... uh, She's awesome. I, I, I can't wait till we right? turn into her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just kind of like, and I kept like reading who she was and like all of her symbols. And I'm like, all of these are like my symbol, like the number 13. I was born on the 13th. The 13th is my favorite number and things like that. And so it was like, that was the first time I was introduced to a goddess that like really hit home for me was Freya. Um, I was young. And in that book, there was also ceremonies inside that book. They weren't very complicated at all because I don't think I would have done if they were complicated. But one of the things I did a lot and sometimes I'll still find my strings because so I did not spells. So like the, by the knot of one, the spells begun by the knot of two it will come true kind of thing. I did a lot of them. And one of the things it said is like, you know, if you can, if you can let it go in a creek, let it go in a creek. Um, If you can let it go in like a really windy place, let it go there. Or if you can't do any of those things, put it in a sacred space. And so I hid them in sacred spaces all over my room, like inside of things that I consider to be sacred. So sometimes I'll open something up and there'll be some of my knot spells inside of it, which is really cute. That is cute. Um, That's so fun. (laughs) 
And so here's like 12, 13, 14 year old witching me. And like I was down. I had an altar. I had all like I had incense. I, I burned incense to the point where I got yelled at by my dad. He's like, you're burning too much of it. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I wasn't allowed to play with candles um, because so when I was super, super younger and I was trying to be all fancy in the bathtub and have candles, I did not know at this very I mean, I was young age and I did not know that wax did not dissolve in water mm. so i instead of instead of blowing it out and letting the wax just um harden again i i dunked it out into the water didn't realize that they weren't gonna mix and so my mom walks in and she sees wax all over the floor of the uh bathtub and so my dad called me a pyro he was like you're not playing with it anymore and i was like fine but like this was like young like five six seven like didn't know that the sh- you know that wax was not water soluble. <laughs> so, so Freya was definitely the first goddess archetype that that I knew for sure, like without a doubt. And then you know, and then you know, boys happened, work happened, babies happened, life happened, and I stepped away from the craft for quite a few years, and then stepped back into it. Um, thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, and it's been just like. Oh, of course, ever since. Mm. Like, it makes so much. And then finally, finally, because, you know, I've been, I considered myself a quiet witch for a really long time. Like, because it was my business. It wasn't really anyone's else. And it was also, like, it was such a, a heavy, I don't want to say burden. It was such a heavy word to carry because of how many hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of women who have been murdered mm. in the name of witch. And it was like, am I am I ready to be brave enough for them? Because when I when I when I lift up the mask and I reveal to all that I am a witch, I'm going to have to deal with all the things that come with that. And I didn't know if I was brave enough. And then this past year, fuck it. This past year, you know, financially it was not a gift for many many people, but to take the fucking veil off and say fuck you, this is who I am. It has been a gift for many people that way, and it was one for me. Mm. And my parent, my mom finally confirmed this weekend that I was a witch. I was like, how could you not know? Like, you knew that I was into witchcraft when I was a kid um, because I made like this big star. Like I made it by hand and put it on my altar and I had all these candles. I shouldn't say altar. Well, it is an altar, um, but it's my mantle. So like it changes with the season. So I'm constantly like updating one of the many altars I have in the house. And she was like, you know, me and your sisters have been talking. And it was like, is she? And I'm like, yep, she is like. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, that went off That's perfect. on a tangent. Enjoy it. That's a good tangent. Yeah. I I wish that I had, like, I. that's amazing that you had these, um, this experience so early on and, like, this interest and, and all of that, like, historical, like, underneath you. You know what I mean? Because I only yeah. came to it as an adult, so. And I only know it as the way my adult self has received it. So then being a youth and adolescent, right? Like, the maiden mother crone. So, like, maiden as a witch, mother as a witch. You know what I mean? Holy shit, Sam. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> and you're already <gasps> That's super crazy. tapped into crone as a witch, too, I would say. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's funny. Well-balanced triple goddess. Okay, final question. Okay. If you could have tea with the goddess, any archetype, first of all, which archetype, if if any specific one, and then part B of the question is what would you ask her? Um, so I was thinking about this um, since you and I had this conversation a few days ago, right? Um, I don't know if I have a specific archetype that I would absolutely want to sit down with because you know my maiden wants Freya and my Mm -hmm. mother wants Hecate um so I would just say the embodiment of of divine feminine but I wouldn't want to ask her anything I would just want to dance with her like I just want to dance with her what song if she asked you to put on your Spotify playlist for you guys to dance with what song would you pick Oh, damn, that's a good one. Um, it all, oh, I, I don't know. Like, it all depends. Like, if we're wanting to be sensual, um, there's a song called Maury Shea. Uh, I think it's Romanian. 
It's very sweet. It's one of my favorite, but it's like really like sensual body movement. But I believe the words that she's saying, she's speaking to her daughter, like say, like just just giving words of love to her daughter in it. Mm. Um, I believe that's what that is. But if I just like wanted to fucking like, like, oh, like just like be joyful and not be in the pleasurable joy embodiment with her. This might be cliche, but fucking Lizzo, man. <laughs> like rapping and singing with Lizzo brings me so much light. And I would be down to dance out that with the divine one. Aww. That's a great answer. Yeah, that's a good one. And I will say, I feel like a little part of me helped, like, not to take anything away from the fact that Lizzo has been trying for fucking years to, like, become, you know, more popular, more well-known because, you know, we work 10,000 nights to be recognized as an overnight success, right? But I will say this, um, at the retreat that I did in 2019, at the end, we did like our, our soul's embodiment of what we went through that week and mine was the joy of Lizzo or like, like, that's how I expressed it was inside the song of Lizzo. And it was literally the next week or within the next few weeks, her shit blew up. Mm. And I was like, oh, I had something to do with that. I put that shit out into the ether, man. <laughs> I danced that shit into existence. She did all the work. I just danced to it. <laughs> she did the work for you. That's right. That's right. So that I could feel fully embodied in my soul. That's that's also the first song that you danced to during our first RGR when we like unveiled yes, each is. other. We each have a song and we like just like crush it for ourselves. And you did Lizzo. Was it Truth Hurts? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you rapped Both to everybody. Times. <laughs> and the audience pointed at him, walked around all yes. sassy, sexy. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That is funny. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Do you feel complete? This is beautiful. I do. That was so I feel fun. Complete. Yes, it was. We'll have to do this periodically because I'm sure there's more questions that we're going to have for one another and that people might have for us. And if you, as the listeners, have any questions, Ooh, yeah. maybe you can send those in and we can have like an, oh, yeah. an audience um, Q&A. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. And we'll have to keep them separate, though. Like, you can't know the ones that I'm going to ask you and I can't know the ones that you're going to ask uh. me. Yes, I like that. Yeah, because then they'll be like fresh answers. They won't be like premeditated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you more, please. Yes. You feel complete, complete. I do feel complete, <laughs> okay. complete. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can find more from your sisters on Patreon. We've got four tiers of Shakti power to choose from with all sorts of Rebel Goddess Reclamation content, as well as our website, rebelgoddessreclamation.com, where you'll find seasonal events, circle leader mentorships, and drum birthing workshop circles. You can also support us individually with our solo endeavors. Sarah's website, theartofwildpleasure.com, is your go-to for all your Red Sisters offerings, workshops, trainings, sacred menarch celebrations, mother roaster services, moon-blessed apothecary items like bath salts, candles, intention oils, and so much more. You can see what Sam, your dark sister, is up to at matmotives.com. Matt Motives are chakra-based vinyl decals to use as focal points on your yoga mat, laptop, or wherever, serving as a reminder to rest your awareness on the qualities you want to cultivate. A third of all proceeds are donated to a nonprofit of your choosing at checkout. On the website, you can also find recorded breathwork practices, along with lots of other subtle yoga workshops and trainings. Thanks again, Wild Ones, for playing and working with the goddess right alongside us. Yes, thank you.